What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and today we're talking about the search for the perfect space. What's up, gang? Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about a conversation that I was having this morning with a reporter from our local sort of technology news site, Technically Philly. And it got me thinking a bunch about why I do this stuff at all, why we do this podcast, why I write about what we do, why we produce events like the people that work on it, why we create an audiobook like the first 10. And it all comes down to the same thing. And interestingly, and I was, this is what I was thinking about this morning, is that it's the exact same reason that I started Indie Hall in the first place. It's because I want peers. I want professional peers. I want people that are achieving the same kinds of things that we're achieving so that we can talk about it together, so we can learn from each other, so we can do similar, so we can cheer each other on, so we can share challenges and learn from each other. So the reason I, ma- I make this show and do all the things that I do, and I, I hope this is crystal clear before this, but if not, I, I want to set the record straight. The reason we do this is not to get you to do things the way we do them. It's so that I can help more of my peers find me and I can help you find each other and we can share more of what we're doing. So hopefully while you're out there, you're listening to these episodes, you're learning things. I want to challenge you to also share the things that you're doing, what's working and what's not and write about it, tweet about it, blog about it, record a podcast about it. I don't care how you do it, but share what you're doing because I believe that there are people out there that are doing great work. I see it. I know it. And you're probably one of them, whether or not you realize that. And I think it'd be really, really awesome to be hearing from more of you. So this is my call to all of you who have been listening, who've been putting any things you've been learning from us into action, or you've been trying things on your own and doing great work. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what you're working on. And maybe we can bring you on the show and learn from what you've been up to as well. But With that in mind, I want to get into today's question, which is about something very operational, uh, but very relevant, how we decide things about the new building that we're moving into. A reader asks, if you were to start over, what would be the top three things you would look for in deciding on a new space? I feel like I'm in a really good spot to answer this question because I've actually been thinking a lot about what we look for in space over the last 12 months. And like I've said in a couple of recent episodes, for anyone who's been paying attention for the last 12 months, uh, we found out around this time last year that we're going to have to move into a new location from the one that we've been in since 2009. So I've been thinking a lot about what we look for in a space and sort of the the things around that space, which is what I I think I'm going to use to answer this question. And one of the first things that I sort of want to point out is that as soon as we made the news public that we were looking for a new home, I got hit up by real estate agents all over the city of Philadelphia, which I've never had before. And I think that's a factor of the fact that we've been at it for a while. We have some visibility. We have some presence. People want to work with us. And if you're brand new into an ecosystem, you're brand new into a city, or that city has no idea what's going on about co-working or otherwise, it might not be possible for you to get that. But I don't think that that was necessarily all that helpful for us. And, And here's why. The vast majority of the people who hit us up saying, I've got a building for you to look at, ask the same questions. How many square feet are you looking for? Where are you looking? And I told them all the exact same thing. I said, those questions come later for me. Not all square feet are equal. 
Not all locations are equal. All of these things come with pros and cons and things to weigh. And there's another set of things that matters a whole lot more to me. And maybe that makes us a little bit different from the typical person who's seeking real estate, but it's also the thing that gives us an edge. So I want to talk about those things that we actually were looking for. And the very first one is the person that we're going to be dealing with. And that started from that first real estate contact. Is this a real estate broker reaching out to us with a cold call? Is it a real estate developer? I had real estate developers from all over the city of Philadelphia trying to sell us a dream of a new neighborhood that was going to be the new hotness and they wanted us to come in and anchor it and they all said the same thing we've got an amazing neighborhood it's going to be the next hotness we're just looking for somebody like you with a vision to come in and you know what i read between the lines you're nothing without us and there's nothing wrong with that but they were not selling honestly and i think that's the problem and i'm looking for people that i can work with honestly I want people that are going to be straight shooters. They're going to tell me exactly how it is. And when it came down to it, we had narrowed a pool of 95% of these just real estate vultures, people that are lazy. They, they all sent me the exact same 10 listings, including ones that I had already gone out and looked at myself and knew that weren't actually on the market. The real estate world is full of lazy people, and you're going to have to weed through that. Be prepared for that. But amongst that 95% of really, really, really lazy, opportunistic people, there are some real gems. And it takes some work to find them, but holy hell is it worth it. And we found a couple of them. And when it came down to it, after the better part of 10 months of searching, and again, I know what I'm doing, and we had people actively approaching us, and it still took a while. So be prepared for this to take a while. When you're seeking out the relationships, it's absolutely worth taking the time. We narrowed it down to two main candidates. And the first one ended up actually being the people that, uh, unfortunately, we didn't end up working with, not because of anything to do with them, but because of some tactical issues with the building. The building didn't actually have a, uh, a fire exit that it needed in order to be safe. And even if I could have gotten around the zoning code and the insurance, which we may have been able to, I had to take into consideration that I was going to put 150 plus people that I care about in that building every day. And if the front of it was on fire and they can't get out, that's 150 people that are dead and I can't sleep at night if I make that decision. Even if it's a good deal, even if it's a good partner, even if it's a good landlord, not worth it. But that potential landlord, the reason I was so excited about that project was because they really took the time to understand who we were. They took the time to understand our goals and they took the time to say, hey, I think that we can make a deal work. Wherever it is, it doesn't matter, but we're genuinely interested in helping you achieve whatever your goal is. And it takes a little bit of practice to see through the bullshit, the people that are going to tell you that versus the people that actually mean it. These guys absolutely took the time. They asked the questions. And I think for me, the litmus test was when I started asking for the weird things that sometimes I ask for, my priorities, my I, I wear my sense of priorities on my sleeve, and they responded to that really well. They bought into that, and they wanted to help us achieve that. That gave me a sense that these are guys that actually wanted to help us. And the other side of the equation is that I could stand to learn a lot from them. These are pretty successful developers who have done really great things. And there's a lot of successful, quote unquote, I'm air quoting here, you can't see, quote unquote, successful developers who have gotten successful by steamrolling, by promising big and delivering small. I did vetting because why the hell wouldn't you? I reached out to some uh, I did a little bit of research and I found a couple of projects that were similar to what we wanted to accomplish. And even the deal that was being offered, there was one with a community center here in Philadelphia. And that was actually one of the other votes in their favor was they had already done work with helping a community center build its headquarters. They understand those dynamics. And I reached out to the president of that community center. I said, hey, what's it like to work with these guys? And she had nothing but the best things to say. And she made it clear that it's not that they did all of the things that they wanted them to is that they were honest. They were straightforward. They would promise things and actually deliver. And that's a really hard thing to get. And if you can do the research and find out that the people that you're talking to actually can follow through, 
then you've found a winner and it's worth continuing the conversation with them. The relationship with their landlord is going to last the length of your working in that property and it matters and it matters most when things go wrong. When they see you coming and you are dollar signs to them, they're going to promise you the world. But the real question is, is how are they going to react when you throw them a curveball? How are they going to react when you want to do something that's weird and different? Are they going to be creative? Are they going to be open-minded? Are they going to be willing to think through problems with you? And if you can use that sort of sales process that they're going to introduce you to and say, I just want to think through some problem solving together. You know, here's something that we're going through. Here's something we're worried about. How would you solve that problem? Don't be afraid to ask those questions. And you've got to feel really good that they're creative problem solvers too, right? They're, they've got to be on your side. They've got to be creative problem solvers even when things aren't going well and even when there's not flashy dollar signs on the other side that matters most the relationship with your landlord or your developer partner or or if you yourself are going to be the landlord your relationship with that community that business transaction needs to be founded on a relationship as well the founding design principle of indie hall and i believe the most successful co-working spaces in the world are that relationships prioritized ahead of transactions it's very hard to work with people that you don't have a relationship built with first so take the time to build that relationship, learn who they are, learn how they really operate, and do the research. Don't be afraid to go out and do some, some contacts with other people they've worked with. Find out how they work even when things go wrong, even when things aren't perfect, and use that as your litmus test. So priority number one is that landlord. Priority number two, we'll turn a little bit back more towards the space itself. I know a lot of times people are worried about the location or the aesthetic or the building, and I think those things can be advantages, but they're, they're short-lived. They're there to impress. But if you're choosing a building based on what's impressive, you may find it easier to get people in the door, but if it's the glitz and the glam that gets them in, it's really, really tough to get them to stay because they're only there as long as they're wowed, right? So think about like a perk at your job or perk at your company. Like that perk can be exciting at the beginning, but when it's honestly, it's the same sort of thing where does that perk matter when things are not great, right? Is that going to matter when everything else is equal. And the idea of a perfect location is one of the biggest lies in co-working spaces. I watch people tell themselves all the time they make silly decisions because they think a certain location is perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect location. You make the location that you choose perfect by being in it with your community and doing things with them together. So choosing a location based on where your community is already comfortable being and going, I think is probably priority number two. And we did that at the very beginning and we've done it again in the last 12 months where we chose a location based on where we know people are comfortable going. We did start looking at other neighborhoods when we started realizing the inventory in the neighborhood that we're in. We're in Old City, Philadelphia. Once we realized the inventory was a little bit sparse, we started thinking to ourselves, what if we need to leave Old City? What if we need to start looking at other neighborhoods? What are the pros and cons of that? And I had to look very, very critically and say, if we move to any other neighborhood besides Old City, I think we're going to lose some members. I think that's an, kind of an inevitability, and I, I understand it. We might also gain some new members that didn't want to come all the way to Old City, but I, I look at that as an option I would like to avoid. And for me, I would rather move to a new neighborhood because we chose to, not because our current landlord is essentially forcing us out of our current building. You need to be highly strategic about a move and moving to a new neighborhood because the one that you're currently in being pushed out of, I didn't want that to be coming from the force of our landlord. And so I feel very thankful that we were able to find a spot in the neighborhood. The reason this neighborhood works, though, for us is because it is a place that people perceive as easy to get to. It's not that it actually is or isn't. It's that people perceive it. And part of that comes down to people are kind of used to it. So if you're starting something new, you've got to take into account where are people used to going. And it might not necessarily be a place they're used to going for work, but where do they already go to hang out? 
Where do they travel to and from? How do they get there? How important is public transit? Do they take public transit? Do they drive? Do they bike? And if you don't have a community yet, it's going to be very hard to answer those questions, which is among the reasons why building a community first is so important. In our most recent transition, because we have a community, I could ask those questions, both actually ask people those questions as well as observe how people move, how far people come from, and factor all of those things in. So neighborhood matters, but not necessarily in the way that you think. And the third thing uh, is really related to that second, which is, can the community be bought into that building? And one of the most difficult parts of the real estate searching process is you've got to go look at a lot of stuff. And you even have to go look at a lot of stuff even when you think that's not what you're going to use. You have to go to a location that you don't think you're going to want to pick. You have to go to a building that you think might not be aesthetically what you're looking for. But you go and look at that stuff so that you can start triangulating what works and what doesn't. And sometimes you'll see things that you wouldn't have normally looked at, but you realize, hey, maybe we can make this work. That's actually how we ended up with the space that we settled on that we signed a lease with on March and we're moving into in August. It's not a space I would have sought out. And actually the real estate agent that pitched us on it said that up front. He said, I don't think this is what you're looking for but we feel like we'd be remiss not to show you. Would you like to take a look? I could have said no, but I said yes, and I took a look, and I looked at it, and I said, you know what? I think we can make this work. So staying open-minded and looking at lots of spaces, but then also making the call of when do you involve your community in that process. I was looking at spaces where I had to sort of vet the space far enough as a possibility. The numbers had to work. The landlord relationship had to work. The basic pieces need to be in place enough that I could say, all right, if the community can be on board with this, then maybe we can push it forward. And then I would organize a trip over to that new space with the community. And it was a really interesting process to take these real estate agents and building owners through where I'd show up with a group of 20, 30, 40 people and take them on a tour together. I wasn't trying to sell them on the space. I was trying to sell them on what the space lets us do. I wasn't talking about the features of the space. I was talking about the advantages that would let us do the things that we do. It's all about actions and interactions. And I'd talk about the fact that in this particular case, it's, you know, it's a more corporate office building, but it's completely raw space. So we can turn it into whatever we want. We get to decide all the finishes. We get to decide the layout. We've never had that before. And so instead of thinking about how do we move into a space that's laid out a certain way, and that's really what we've done up until this point is we take it sort of like when a, when a ship sinks into the ocean and sort of the coral comes in and turns the sunken ship or airplane into a coral reef. That's been sort of our mode of operation up until this point is we find places that work good enough and we make them ours. And in this opportunity, we got to look at all the ways that our current space wasn't set up for us, all the compromises we had to make and say, what things could we do if we wanted to that would make it better, make us more productive, make interactions easier, help us achieve our goals. And having those conversations literally in the raw space sort of helped people put on the, the glasses, so to speak, the metaphorical glasses that I was seeing, the potential colored glasses, I should say, to say, it's not what it is today, it's what can we make it. Can you frame the space that way for your community? After you've done the basic vetting, do the numbers work? Does the landlord relationship work? Do the basics, does the equation lay out? Could it, is it even possible, right? Again, it's not, is it perfect? Is it possible? And if it is, then get the community on board. And my goal in those conversations was not to get the entire community agreeing, yes, this is, this is the perfect spot, because again, perfect spot is not the goal. The goal is to get the community to say, you know, I think we can make this work. I think, I think there's a lot of possibility here. And even if there's skepticism, and there is, there, there's going to be, my goal was to use that as an opportunity to open up the dialogue with the community and say, hey, if you've got concerns, if there's things that you're worried about, come and talk to me. We should talk about it as a group, or at least one-on-one. -on -one. 
And what I was looking for is were people worried about things that I had not thought of yet? Are people noticing potential problems that I had not noticed yet? From their point of view as a member, are they seeing things that I'm blind to because I'm coming at this from a sort of operational perspective? No matter how hard I try to be thinking like a member, nobody thinks like a member but a member. So asking members, how do, what do you think about this? And the pushback that we got on the space that we chose were all the same things that I was concerned about. And that was how I knew that we were in the right place because all the things I was concerned about were things that I knew we could find solutions to. I didn't have solutions to them, but I knew we could solve them. I felt very confident we could solve them as a community. If somebody come to me and said, hey, there's this thing that I see as a big problem, and A, if that was something I hadn't thought of, and B, if once I'd thought of it, that was clearly a deal breaker, I would have had to start weighing that against all of the other considerations. It's all pros and cons. It's a matrix of pros and cons, but there's no way to do that matrix in a vacuum. There's no way to do it by yourself. You've got to be doing that with the community. So the entire process, all of these things, hopefully the theme is obvious. It comes down to communication. It comes down to the people that you're working with, both on the landlord side, the business side, the operational building side, as well as with the community. You need alignment and it doesn't need perfect alignment. Again, perfect is not the goal, but is it workable? Is it better to be working together than it is alone? Is there a line of connection? Do people actually understand from the landlord to you, from you to the community, and even the landlord to the community, the community to the landlord? Does everybody understand what everybody else's goals are? If you do, then you might have found a great space. Mm-hmm.